The primary purpose of entertainment is just to create like an enjoyable experience. The teachers are kind of doing the entertaining and the students are sitting back and taking that in. But engagement's primary purpose is to focus the students' attention so that learning is gonna occur. So really entertainment is the teacher focusing on the students, but engagement is the students focusing on the learning. Welcome to the BJU Press Teacher Edition Podcast, where Christian educators are encouraged and inspired as we bring you interviews, practical ideas, strategies, and answer your questions about teaching in today's culture. And here's your host, Jenny Copeland. A room full of students is a room full of different learners, and that means you need a toolbox full of strategies to engage those different learners. You know, it's easy as a teacher to teach the way that we learn. So if you're a visual learner, you're in your comfort zone teaching to those visual learners. It's also sometimes easy to fall into a pattern of just teaching the way that we were taught. Granted, some strategies are timeless, but most often those strategies may just not be the best choice for that group of students, and it may not even be best practice for this generation of students. So take a step back, look at your teaching style and your strategies, and come with us today as we look at the importance of having a variety of strategies to teach the same content to different learners. Welcome back to the Teacher Edition podcast. I'm excited to jump into today's topic. Thank you for joining in. As we begin, I just want to encourage you to go find and follow us on social media. We are Teacher Edition podcast on Facebook and on Instagram and TikTok, we are Teacher Edition pod. Please also take a minute to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss out on one single episode. And while you're there subscribing, we'd be so grateful if you take just a minute and leave us a rating and a quick review. We are really working hard to get the word out about this podcast and your ratings and your reviews definitely help us. And if you know of other educators who don't know about the Teacher Edition podcast or haven't been listening in, please share this with them as well. One last reminder, and that's to go to our website, teachereditionpodcast.com. You can get more information about the podcast there. You can sign up for our newsletters and you can even listen to the show right there. You can also submit a question. We love sharing your questions and hearing our guests answer those here on the show. So hop onto our website and do that. It is simple and fast, I really promise. So let's talk strategies. You all know that I love practical and this topic is definitely that. To help us explore this topic today, we're excited to welcome Cindy Dickinson to the show. So Cindy has been an educator for over 30 years and on three different continents. So I had the privilege of serving with Cindy on the North American continent. And she was a teacher who worked really hard to keep her students engaged and motivated. So I know that this topic is really right up her alley. Beyond being a teacher, Cindy has also served in China for a couple years administrating and helping to train Chinese nationals in classrooms. It was It's just really incredible to hear the opportunities she had to work with the teachers there and really teach them how to shape their students' worldviews to be biblical. So currently she is still working with teachers, but she's back here with BJU Press and she serves as the national consultant. Cindy, I am so glad we were able to find time to connect. So welcome to the Teacher Edition podcast. Thank you so much, Jenny. I've been an active listener and enjoyed it. So I am excited to be here today. Well, I'm excited you're here too. So let's talk strategies. You know, as we get started, I think it's worth mentioning that the term differentiation 
is often synonymous with this topic. But I think, unfortunately, educators quickly associate that with only special needs. You know, differentiation is not limited to special needs. It can be much broader than that. And that's where we really want to land today. We're looking at a variety of strategies to promote student engagement, engagement of all learners. And we know that that can be a struggle. So Cindy, you travel, you're in schools nearly every week. What are you, what are you seeing out there? What are some of the biggest challenges faced in education today? Yes, a big part of my job is traveling around and working with teachers. And I have asked a variety of teachers that question, what are some of the biggest challenges that they face in education today? Because there are challenges that we have nowadays in teaching that we didn't have 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Um, so asking teachers all over the country, I started seeing some patterns emerging with some of the same type uh, characteristics and problems surfacing. Of course, there was uh, technology, social media. Um, a lot of teachers say that that is a big problem in education today. Of course, there's the age old problem of dealing with parents, um, you know, sometimes having some difficulties there with that parent teacher uh, and student triangular relationship, or maybe even apathy like a lot of apathy, um, apathy from students. And hand in hand with that goes along with engagement. Uh, you know, really just having that problem engaging the students on a daily basis. Um, how can we maintain students' attention in this crazy world that we're living in today? That's one that came up repeatedly. Yeah, I would imagine so. So connecting directly to our topic for today, what is student engagement? You already mentioned it, but what is it? How would you define it or describe it? Well, that's a great question. And it may be helpful for us to start out by discussing what is it student engagement? Good idea. So um, I was thinking engagement really does not equal entertainment. I think when we talk about engagement, we sometimes equate that with entertainment. And, you know, there's a really big difference. So I actually looked up the definition for entertainment. Like in a real it, dictionary? In a real dictionary. Wow. I will say it was a digital <laughs> dictionary. but Okay, okay. <laughs> entertainment is the action of providing or being provided with amusement or enjoyment. So it's an event or activity designed to entertain others. So entertainment may be fun and exciting, but it really is a receptive skill. It's not really challenging to the students. It doesn't really provide an opportunity for them to learn and grow. But engagement is the degree of attention, curiosity, interest that students show when they're learning or being taught. So, you know, the primary purpose of entertainment is just to create like an enjoyable experience. It's really teacher-centric. The teachers are kind of doing the entertaining and the students are sitting back and taking that in. Um, but engagement's primary purpose is to focus the student's attention so that learning's gonna occur. So really entertainment is the teacher focusing on the students, but engagement is the students focusing on the learning. You know, anytime you teach something in the same way over and over, you follow the same format for your Bible lesson or you teach your math lesson in the same way each and every day, what's going to happen? Well, the students are going to become bored. They're not going to be passionate about anything. They're not going to be engaged. I like the way Marzano puts it in his book, The New Art and Science of Teaching. He says that um, engagement 
is the possible gatekeeper to mental readiness. And then he goes on and shares four different desired mental states for engagement. And they include paying attention, being energized, being intrigued, and being inspired. Yeah, I love how you compared entertainment to engagement because that is so true. As you say that, I was thinking often teachers think I have to be entertaining because these students live in a world full of entertainment. They're on their phones, they're on their devices, they're watching something, they're involved in something. And then when it comes to sit down and learn, it's like they just can't handle it. So teachers feel this pressure. I need to entertain them. And I love how you brought out the definitions of both and how they work together. So let's talk about that more, how to get and keep their attention. So they're growing up in a world, it's filled with stimuli, screens, busyness all around them. So many things are vying for their attention, even when they're sitting in a classroom, maybe without all those things going on. So what can we do? How can we help them pay attention? Well, one of the biggest things that teachers need to do is we need to start out by noticing when kids aren't paying attention. (laughs) Like noticing and reacting appropriately, Um, you know, because let's all face it, like just like the kids are overstimulated and they're tired, we as teachers are tired, too. Uh, And, you know, sometimes it's hard when you see that kid with the head down on the desk. Sometimes it's just easier to ignore it and not to really worry about it or try to uh, help that student reengage or uh, re focus. And so really, we've got to notice that they're not paying attention and react appropriately. Each Sunday afternoon, my own children come over for Sunday lunch at our house. Um, It's something that we like to do uh, each week and they come over um, with their kids. So our grandkids come as well. And, you know, a couple of them are educators. So last Sunday, I threw that question out to them and I said, okay, guys, what do you really do to help your students pay attention? Um, They teach different grade levels, so there was a variety of uh, suggestions and things, but we kind of all honed in on several that we agreed upon, and one was questioning. One way that you can keep your kids engaged in the classroom is through questioning. Ask the kids a lot of questions, and not just those simple yes and no questions. You want to ask some of those open-ended questions so that they really get to thinking, because, you know, they're taking in information from you whether you're sharing that information with them verbally, whether they're watching um, a video, whether they're reading in a textbook. And, you know, they need to process that information. And one of the ways that you can help them work to process that information is through the use of questions, asking them questions about what they just heard or what they just read or what they just saw. And that's where Um, The teacher editions from BGU Press are so fabulous. I guess this is the shameless plug as the national (laughs) consultant for (laughs) for BGU Press. But one of the things I loved as a teacher was having access to all those questions and not just simple, literal questions. There were higher order thinking questions. There were questions um, that promoted discussion. And, you know, not just limiting those types of questioning to when we're studying reading or looking at a piece of literature. You know, in the teacher edition, you're going to have questions throughout all of your subjects. So in Bible, there's going to be great questions for promoting the biblical worldview and having those all important discussions with your kids. In science and heritage studies, lots of questions that you're going to be asking the kids to get them thinking, to give them time to process that information. So questioning was one that we all agreed on. Then my daughter-in-law mentioned she teaches first grade and she mentioned collaboration. She just feels like collaboration is magical. You know, she puts the kids in groups and they're able to 
um, talk through things, work together. And collaboration is really, really helpful when you're trying to promote student engagement there. And, you know, there's a lot of pluses to collaboration on top of just engagement. When students are collaborating, it's been shown to improve their problem-solving skills. Um, you know, they're placed in groups, and a lot of times they have to solve a problem, answer a discussion question, complete a STEM activity. You know, those types of activities are going to lend to promoting critical thinking. It's not just those straightforward yes or no. They're going to discuss things. They're going to uh, design something if they're following that engineering design process. You know, collaboration has been shown to improve social interaction with kids. Um, you know, kids have to learn how to get along with each other, how to respond to each other. And it gives you the opportunity to help kids foster some interpersonal relationships as maybe you place them in groups with um, the kids that aren't their closest friends. Uh, you know, it could be people that maybe they don't see outside of school or um, in elementary school, they don't choose to play with that recess. And the kids are going to be working together uh, to on that group activity there. You know, one of the things that I love about collaboration is give kids the opportunity to interact face to face. You know, so much of the communication now that we do is through devices. I mean, how many of us have been guilty of texting somebody that's literally sitting on the other couch in the living room? I mean, I know that's I've done true. it. <laughs> so, you know, we text, we email, we blog, we post, we tweet. And kids are living in that digital world and they don't always have opportunity to have that true face-to-face -face interaction. And that's one of the real uh, advantages of collaborating and working together in groups. When the students are working together in a group, they have to learn and grow together as a group. They're going to benefit from being exposed to different viewpoints um, those viewpoints may challenge them in a social way. They may challenge them in an emotional way. Kids have to learn to articulate their ideas so that they can uh, speak clearly and be understood. They have to learn how to defend their ideas if somebody in the group doesn't necessarily agree with what they're doing. So, you know, questioning is a great way to help hone in on their attention. Collaboration is a wonderful way. And then, you know, there's the good age-old proximity. When you have a kid that's not really paying attention, what do they teach us in, uh, you know, Education 101? You're going to move closer to that student to try to, you know, draw them back in and to get them engaged, simply moving closer to them. And you know what? I see this. I just saw this recently with adults. <laughs> um, I was in a meeting and the adults in the meeting were going through some technology training and where I was sitting, I could see one of the gentlemen kind of diagonal to me, uh, kind of disengage and start working on his computer. And so no, I was thinking, that doesn't yes, no. it does. <laughs> and it was unfortunate for him. Like I, I was just sitting there. I'm nobody. But his boss was standing behind me. <laughs> And his boss kind of noticed that he had disengaged from the meeting. And uh, they used the uh, strategy of proximity to move closer to where he was. And, you know, was it effective? Ah, it was very effective. And it brought him right back to the meeting at hand. Wow. Those are great. Yeah, those are three really great strategies. I noticed when you mentioned collaboration, you mentioned first grade. And I love that because we often think, oh, no, only high schoolers can do that. Only middle schoolers, you know, any grade they can collaborate, even if they're just turning to a partner and sharing. And I love that you talked about that 
because that is a 21st century skill. And you mentioned a bunch of the 21st century skills. There was a lot going on there. You know, I think sometimes, too, teachers think, I can't allow any noise in my classroom. If there's any noise, I will lose control. You know what? You may lose, you're going to lose more of their attention if they have to sit quietly for long periods of time because they're going to go somewhere else in their minds or with their pencil or with fun things in their desk or whatever it may be. But allowing them to collaborate and interact, of course, all under your careful control, they're going to remember that so much better. So I really like that you mentioned that. I don't know if you have any follow-up comments on that, but I thought that was great because allowing them to participate in their learning is really going to solidify that, let that sink in and make it more memorable. Yeah, one of the things I love to see in collaboration is sometimes kids that you don't necessarily consider leaders in your class, they rise to the occasion in that small right. group that they don't always you know, do that in the large group. And so that was another benefit that I enjoyed seeing as teacher as well. I remember being in school and there were some classes I was not uh, too excited to raise my hand. But if we we're going to talk with a partner about what we're there, I'd much rather bounce my ideas off of a peer and learn that way, make sure I solidify what I understand rather than raising my hand. So that's another example where that encourages some other learners. Cindy, this is such helpful and applicable information. I really want to get your thoughts on how to energize students and really ourselves as educators. So let's pick up there in part two of this conversation. Listeners, you will not want to miss out. Be sure to join us next time as we jump into that topic and more with our guest, Cindy Dickinson. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you were challenged and encouraged as I was. Remember to go to teacheraditionpodcast.com to submit questions for upcoming episodes. Of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Now, it's time to get back to your day, but it's not just any day. Every day in the classroom is your day to impact and inspire through God's power and through His grace working in you. Go do what God has called you to do. Music